This is Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Welcome to Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission. This is where you can find out all you need or want to know about Downtown Halifax. I'm Alana McDonald-Mills, Director of Marketing. And I'm Ivy Ho, Director of Communications. We are your hosts for Downtown Lowdown. This is our 11th special COVID-19 episode, and we're recording this episode via video conferencing as we continue to work remotely from our homes. So we apologize in advance for any issues with the sound quality. We're going to start this episode with a conversation with Patrick Sullivan, President and CEO of the Halifax Chamber of Commerce and Chair of the Nova Scotia Business and Labour Economic Coalition. Patrick will tell us about how and why the coalition was formed and the work it has done so far, as well as the work that has yet to be done. Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission, will be joining that conversation and will give us updates on DHBC's latest advocacy efforts. We'll also review what businesses are up to since the state of emergency was declared back in March, and we'll finish with some updates regarding what's open for businesses in downtown Halifax and how you can stay connected with the downtown Halifax community in this time of physical distancing. This episode is being recorded on Monday, May 25th, 2020. Information regarding the pandemic is still changing daily. To keep up to date, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash COVID-19 or novascotia.ca slash coronavirus. Now we begin our discussion with Ivy and Patrick Sullivan, President and CEO of the Halifax Chamber of Commerce and Chair of the Nova Scotia Business and Labour Economic Coalition, and Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Today our guest is Patrick Sullivan, President and CEO of the Halifax Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber is a business advocacy organization committed to providing the service its members need while advocating for the conditions to enhance private sector growth. They represent 1,700 plus member businesses, and their over 65,000 employees. Patrick is also the chair of the Nova Scotia Business and Labour Economic Coalition, which was founded in mid-March to become a point of contact for government as they make rapid decisions, advocate for business and their employees at this challenging time, ensure all Nova Scotians are heard and supported, and to assist in the development of a recovery plan. The group meets three times a week and is comprised of businesses, not-for-profits, Nova Scotia Federation of Labour, and represents over 10,000 organizations and 200,000 employees. DHBC is an active member of this group. We also have Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission, who will be joining in on our conversation. Patrick, welcome to Downtown Lowdown. I know you've been very busy, so thank you for taking the time. So I touched on this in the intro, but in your own words, Patrick, can you tell us about the coalition and how it was formed? Absolutely. Um, The coalition was formed right around mid-March, so saw this coming, I suppose, with a few days' notice. Uh, and we uh, kind of looked around. I had been in Toronto during SARS uh, way back in the early 2000s and realized that the most important thing for me at that time, as I was leading a company that was in the business of providing support for hospitality companies, so hotels and restaurants, the most important thing at that point was information. Uh, so having information, gathering information and disseminating that information was really, really important around that time. Uh, as we sort of got to the weekend of uh, March 15th, uh, realized that there uh, may be closings coming very, very quickly. Um, and I sent out a note, uh, sent out a note to a few folks. I think Paul was uh, Paul was one of the first uh, with uh, downtown Halifax. And sent a note to Paul, sent a note to the Tourism Industry Association to, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the initial associations, but a couple of folks from, uh, from the bids or the business improvement districts. 
um, the um, trying to think, oh, maybe uh, ISANS, the Immigrant Settlement Association. Uh, who else? Uh, the Halifax Halifax Partnership, probably. Halifax Partnership, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Retail Council of Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, a number of organizations. So probably in, invited 10 to 15 organizations. Uh, so it was, a, it was an opportunity to kind of gather people together. And then I in, invited uh, folks from government. So wanted to have uh, lines to government. So wanted to have um, the, the federal government, the provincial government, and the municipal government. So the federal government, I felt that the largest organization in the area would be ACOA. Uh, and uh, then introduced or invited uh, Andy Fillmore, uh, our local MP. And then from the province, the province was quickly ramping up and establishing a team that would be what they called then the rapid response team. Uh, so invited folks from the Department of Business and then ultimately invited people from the city of Halifax. And we've been lucky enough to have the mayor on a lot of the calls as well. So invited a group um, that met, I think, the first time on March 16th uh, and has met steadily three times a week ever since. Uh, and the group has gradually expanded. We now have over 200 people that receive the emails. And on any given day, there's well over 100 people uh, on the call. On the day we had Dr. Strang, I think we had our high of 146 people uh, on the call listening to Dr. Strang's presentation. So it was a method to communicate uh, to government and provide that that sort of megaphone for us to speak to government immediately uh, and that funnel for government to get back down to us so they could get immediate feedback on the programs that they were introducing. Yeah, so it was very impressive that you really jumped on us in, in the very beginning so quickly uh, to get everyone together. Uh, so how has the coalition's work changed uh, since uh, since its formation? You mentioned that it's grown. Uh, the, the members have uh, the numbers have grown uh, with the membership of this coalition. But how has uh, the work changed um, other than that? Well, I think I think we started out with I certainly started out given that we're the Halifax Chamber of Commerce with very much a Halifax focus. Uh, so thought, you know, this is something we need to do for Halifax. This is something we need to do for the businesses and, and people of Halifax. Uh, it very quickly moved to a pan provincial initiative. Uh, so we have now folks from the Cape Breton Partnership, the Cape Breton Chamber of Commerce, the Anaganish Chamber of Commerce, uh, the Picto Chamber of Commerce, Truro. Um, we have the RENS or regional enterprise networks from across the province right down to the Yarmouth Chamber of Commerce. So it, it very quickly became a pan-provincial initiative. We have people from Forestry, Nova Scotia. Um, we have uh, the various sector councils. So it's really expanded in operation because everybody wants to speak to the federal government and the provincial government, and, and certainly in and around Halifax, they want to speak to the mayor or they want to speak to the, uh, the city of Halifax. So I, I think the initial increase uh, was that significant increase from Halifax to that pan-provincial uh, initiative, uh, and then the opportunity for those people to hear what was going on with government. When you're, you know, when you're in Sydney, um, you may not be speaking to the folks in Halifax every single day. Uh, certainly, we're doing a lot more of it with Zoom and uh, and with that immediate communication. But um, I think everyone felt it was an opportunity to hear one time what was going on with government and uh, and hear it easily and frequently. 
It certainly does uh, give it a stronger voice. It's interesting how, how technology plays a hand as well, because I think the first call or maybe a couple of calls were, were done with conventional, you know, conference call technology, which is right. it's hard to manage a large group with conference calls. You can't see everybody. You can't raise your hand. Uh, and it, was, it was a little bit chaotic. And so I remember in the early days, uh, there was this attempt to identify people who could be spokespeople for larger groups. So, for example, I was on there as representative of the, the business improvement districts in Halifax and then in Nova Scotia. So my role was kind of to participate on their behalf. I would gather their questions, kind of submit them, and then share the information with them. But really, once we move to Zoom, um, and I think a lot of people are learning this now, you actually can have a, a pretty well-run, uh, thanks to Patrick's leadership, and just with, with the tools that come with, with Zoom or other uh, other. This is an endorsement for Zoom. I'm sure MS Teams and other things do the same thing, but uh, it actually is uh, possible to run a pretty large group pretty effectively and efficiently uh, that way. So at, at a certain point, the doors kind of were wide open to pretty much anyone that wanted to be there. And what we found was certainly the, the, the people that I was communicating with, they're, at this point, they're now all in the calls. Uh, but it's not disruptive. It actually works pretty well because you've got, you know, you can you can talk uh, verbally. Uh, you can, can indicate things visually with hands up and thumbs up signals. And you can also use the chat function and, and ask questions. So that, uh, the technology allowed it to expand, uh, which was really useful. Well, and you're, you're absolutely right. In fact, I'd forgotten that, Paul. You're right. You were the original designated representative, I think, for all of the business improvement districts in the greater Halifax area. Um, but, I mean, that was probably um, – it was better. Uh, to have everybody on the call, uh, you know, all the time. And you're right. I mean, I do love that mute function on yes. Zoom, uh, where I can, I can just press a button, uh, and everybody gets muted. It, it is very, very handy. So the coalition's main purpose is to work closely with all orders, all three orders of government. Uh, can you talk about, maybe this is not the right word for it, but can you tell us about some of the wins the coalition has achieved? Because I know it's working cooperatively with governments, um, but some, some of the things that we work towards and that we actually achieve. Can you tell us a bit about that? I mean, I think initially when the, um, uh, when the rent deferral program was available uh, from the province of Nova Scotia, they told us about it on the call. They described the program for us on the call. Uh, and the first thing they mentioned was that uh, it would apply to companies of five employees or more. Uh, so at, I think we were having the calls at noon at that point. So at noon, um, there were a number of voices that said, I don't think this is going to work. Five persons, you know, there's very, very, you know, a lot of small businesses out there, uh, that, uh, that this just wouldn't work for. And by 20 to 1, or 40 minutes later, uh, they came back on and said, okay, I know you're speaking to the mayor right now, but if we could just interrupt, we've decided to waive that five-person qualification. Uh, that's just going to go away. Um, and thank goodness it did, you know, so it was a real opportunity uh, to, uh, to kind of change the program midstream before it was really announced broadly. So that, that you know, I felt that was a really big win. Um, the number of other wins, you know, we, we've had uh, Sean Fraser uh, on the phone, who's the parliamentary secretary to the Minister of Finance, upon the announcement initially and early of the 10% wage subsidy, we had Sean on the phone uh, almost immediately, uh, and uh, and we were able to give him feedback and say, you know, Sean, 10% is not enough. Now, many other organizations across the country were giving similar feedback, so I can't say that the NSBLEC were the only group that uh, that caused a change from 10% wage subsidy to a 75% wage subsidy, but I think providing that mass of people uh, and that massive group of um, uh, well, organizations, I suppose. I mean, I think we now we now believe it's 
between 10 and 15,000 organizations and over 200,000 employees across the province. So it's almost all of the working uh, population in Nova Scotia to be able to say to the parliamentary secretary, to the minister of finance, look, here's a pretty massive group and we all agree. It's not something we often do. Uh, we all agree that this is too low. Take it away. And they took it away and they came back and they said, yeah, it's a 75% uh, subsidy. So, you know, there's a, there's a couple of, of tangible examples, I think, uh, where we felt we had a real impact. Paul, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think one of the, the big, uh, I guess, the big wins is, is what I think of as a structural one. It's been re- very useful, as, as Patrick mentioned. You know, we've got representatives from all three orders of government on all the calls. In a lot of cases, it's the same people. The mayor is on most of the calls. Andy Fillmore, our Halifax MP, has been on just about every call. Uh, so is uh, Deputy Minister Bernie Miller, who's with the Provincial Department of Business, I think has been on every single one. Uh, and what's interesting is because we're doing these three times a week is that, you know, there's not an expectation, I don't think, from the group that, that those individuals are going to know every single answer. Uh, but they know they have to come back before the group in a couple of days' time, and uh, and so just the very structure that it's, it's there's a continuity there. Um, it really does put the onus on them to get answers and to figure things out and to address concerns, right? In, in some cases, as Patrick's mentioned, I mean they would hear the same concern over the course of three, four, five, six calls, uh, and in some cases, then changes were made. Uh, and I'd like to think that, uh, and I know that our group has had some impact in doing that. So just the very fact that we that we have these meetings set up. You know they're scheduled and and with the same people. I think has been very helpful. And it and it's of course it's it's begun a dialogue. It's not just all one way in terms of us telling the government what we need from them. Uh, they've been able to bounce ideas off us. They've been able to encourage us to do things in terms of our messaging. Uh, so it, it it's been uh, been for the most part a, a friendly group. We're pretty forthright with each other, but uh, but it's been cooperative. And I think that's a relationship that hasn't always existed between business, labor, and government. But uh, certainly for the most part, it's it's been consistent and it's uh, it's been very positive. So we've talked about some of the wins the coalition has achieved. Uh, how about some of the challenges? What is the biggest challenge for this group? Well, I think the I don't know if it's the biggest challenge for this group necessarily. The biggest challenge that that many small businesses are still facing is rent mm-hmm. uh, and the uh, commercial rent program or the CICRA, uh program has not yet delivered. Uh, I think um, let's say, or received perhaps the enthusiasm that many of the other programs did receive. So the Canadian Emergency Business Account or the $40,000, which has kind of gone through a number of iterations, but it's been taken up by thousands, if not tens of thousands of businesses, not only in Nova Scotia, right across the country. Uh, but the uh, the commercial rent program, you know, we continue to provide feedback, uh, but it's it's a very challenging one to change. Um, it's challenging because you're dealing with landlords who on the whole, are, are great people, uh, but, you know, they have mortgages to pay as well, or they may have already paid off their mortgage because the property has been in the family for a period of time or a group within a period of time. Um, so initially, you know, the secret didn't allow you to, you had to have a mortgage, then you didn't have to have a mortgage. And now, um, you know, we're still having conversations and, and, and people are saying, well, you know, there's actually in secret, it says an element of profit. Well, what's profit? It's still a very confusing program. So that's a challenge. Um, you know, and, and government has been dealing with a lot of issues over the last, you know, over the last 12 weeks um, at all levels. Uh, so I think, you know, sort of for us, uh, for the group to kind of get back to your question, sort of staying top of mind and keeping our particular issues top of mind 
for those uh, for those organizations um, is uh, is is tough, um, you know, because there's a lot of competing a lot of competing voices across the country. This is a large organization, and we've seen amazing results. But we're you know we're getting to the point where we're likely going to be heading for a reawakening. I suppose of the economy, uh, and that that reawakening uh, will bring its own challenges with it. Well, how do you see this group progressing as we move into recovery or reawakening or re-energizing of the economy? Well, I, I think that this group, you know, and Paul Paul said it. It's you know we, we've got labor, we've got business, we've got not-for-profits, we've got charities, all on the same call. Um, it really is a very, very efficient way for government to convey information and for this group who have a lot of commonality. I mean, we don't agree on everything. That's probably fair to say. Uh, but we do agree that the businesses, the charities, the labor groups, they all need support right now. So we do have a very common message. Um, so, I, you know, I think this communication vehicle, and that's really what it is, um, we'll continue to have a need. Um, in fact, I think as we get into this stage, it's probably all the more important. Um, you know, how do we now use this group to communicate with media uh, so that media can start to get some of these messages out to the broader population? How do we use this group when government says we'd like to, and I'm, I'm making things up, but, you know, as we head to tourism, you know, the tourism season, which is unlikely to happen with a lot of visitors coming in. But how do we move Haligonians, if they're the largest population group, to Yarmouth or to Annapolis Royal or to Sydney? And then how do we take the group from CBRM or from Sydney to come to Halifax um, and enjoy a weekend in Halifax so they can shop and dine and, and do those kinds of things? So so I think the, the opportunity for us to pri- provide messaging to our members or associations or groups and have that filter out is all the more important um, at this time. Uh, well, one of the, I think one of the real benefits of, of having this group together is not only the opportunity for the business and labor and not-for-profit groups to talk uh, directly to government, uh, but to have the three orders of government on the calls together, um, which, which, is, which is interesting because it's one of the great frustrations of operating a business. I'll, we'll speak for downtown. Downtown tends to be a very complicated ecosystem and, and business is complicated as well. And, and the, the thing that drives businesses crazy is when they reach out to one particular order of government with an issue and, the, and that government will say, well, that's not our jurisdiction. That's someone else's jurisdiction. Um, but there's only one taxpayer and there is, you know, just, you know, different orders of government do different things. But that is something that businesses find extremely frustrating. Um, and one legacy I hope of this call is, is that COVID obviously has impacted everybody. And so uh, I think the governments have done a pretty good job at working together and trying to get over those hurdles. I think the rent uh, program is a good example, which has, you know, both a federal and a provincial component to it. So I'm hoping that that will be a legacy. There's, there's a lot of um, there's still a lot of challenges that we'll have, obviously, uh, post this pandemic. Uh, there's a lot of structural challenges, uh, even in terms of what the municipality has has the power to do, whether it's in terms of taxation or new regulations. Or, you know, a very simple example is there's been a movement afoot to say, let's lower the speed limit in the downtown core. We've got these small blocks. Why don't we lower it to 30 kilometers an hour? And that would do a, a huge amount in terms of making it much more pedestrian friendly. Well, the city actually can't do that. They're not allowed to uh, in the in the city charter, which just seems kind of silly. Um, so it's 
exposed a number of these perhaps archaic relationships uh, that exist. And my hope is that we can, you know, we can use this example and continue these conversations and actually make some of those structural changes and see governments work more proactively, you know, with each other, right? And, and perhaps blur those lines of jurisdiction a little bit. So that's kind of a, a hope, uh, but it is, it does continue to be an ongoing challenge because, you know, governments like anyone else, they like to, they like to play in their own lanes. Um, and when it's their jurisdiction, uh, oftentimes they don't want to share that with other orders of government. So I'm hoping that we can break that down a little bit as we move forward. And I think Paul brings up an excellent point, which is with all three levels of government, you may think, you know, people do think government and they think, oh, they're out there and they're talking all the time. Um, The reality is they may not. Uh, So just having the three orders of government on the call gives the city the opportunity to convey messaging to the province of Nova Scotia. And it gives, you know, the MPs uh, the opportunity to convey something to the city. Uh, or to the province. So uh, it is a, it is kind of another level of communication that's taking place between those levels of government that I don't think occurred to me or to us uh, when we uh, when we started these conversations. Uh, and just I'm thinking back to the, the whole beginning of this uh, of this process. And I think General Patrick, if you remember this, I sent an email around to a number of folks in, in the city, a lot of the same folks, I think that, that you had uh, suggesting that we get together on a call just kind of as a as a one off. Let's let's uh, see if we can get organized. And you responded back very quickly saying, oh, I'm already on top of that. We've, we're getting uh, uh, representatives from the government and we're going to set up these these calls. And so I'm, I'm looking back. I'm, I'm extremely thankful uh, that you did that because uh, I see how much work these calls are. There are a lot of work to, to participate in, let alone to run, Patrick. So I'm glad that you beat me to the punch on that. Um, and, uh, but, but, and seriously, I want to thank you for all the, the work that yourself and the, and the chamber team put into this. It's, it's been extremely helpful. Uh, I know it's a lot of work, and, uh, and we've been, uh, I think, proud chamber members certainly for a long time uh, and continue to be. So, uh, so on behalf of, of both members and non-members who are benefiting from the work you're doing, uh, thanks very much for, uh, for taking this on. Well, thanks, Paul. And, and, and I would I would have to say um, it's been a pleasure to have you on the calls. I mean, we don't want to turn this into a mutual admiration society. But, uh, <laughs> we do. You're on our podcast. So we oh, expect yeah, yeah, so yeah. Nice. you can love us as much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but you've been an active participant uh, and, uh, you know, really helped to, uh, to to move this along. But it has been um, it has been really, really important. And, you know, as a as a business, I mean, to some extent, we're a business. You're you're a business as well. I mean, we're all. You know, our business, um, as is yours, I suppose, is supporting your members or supporting your constituents. Um, and I think that's that's the opportunity that this group has provided us is the opportunity to provide better information to our constituents, which is really the, you know, the name of the game. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today for Downtown Lowdown and talking about the Nova Scotia Business and Labor Economic Coalition. So thanks again. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks for allowing me to join you. And I look forward to seeing you, Paul, on Wednesday in our next call. I'll be there. Okay. We are talking to Patrick Sullivan, President and CEO of the Halifax Chamber of Commerce and the Chair of the Nova Scotia Business and Labor Economic Coalition, and Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission. For more information on the Halifax Chamber of Commerce, visit halifaxchamber.com. For more information on the Nova Scotia Business and Labor Economic Coalition, visit halifaxchamber.com slash resources slash NSBLEC. We still have Paul McKinnon on the line. So uh, Paul McKinnon is the CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission. He will be giving us an update on DHBC's advocacy efforts and the activities of the Nova Scotia Business and Labor Economic Coalition, of which DHBC is an active member. Uh, So Paul, what do you have for us? 
So not a whole lot uh, in terms of updates uh, from the NSBLEC today, uh, but one that's uh, that's very important is we've talked uh, a lot these podcasts and just in general uh, about the need for uh, rental assistance uh, for um, for tenants, uh, for commercial tenants. And so the SECRA uh, program or CISRA program, I've heard it pronounced a couple of different ways, but that's the Canada Emergency Commercial Rent Assistance Program, uh, went live today. Uh, that's Monday. Um, so by the time this podcast, it will be uh, it will be out there. And they're actually phasing in uh, the application process depending on what type of, of landlord. So it's actually landlords that apply for it. Uh, but it is meant to, to help cover 75% of the rental costs. So uh, essentially the uh, between the federal and provincial government, they would cover 50% of the cost for rent, commercial rent. Uh, the landlord would cover 25% and the tenant would cover 25%. And so those applications uh, went live. They can be found at the CMHC website. Uh, and as of Monday, it's uh, it's eligible um, for any landlord who has 10 or fewer commercial tenants. So for larger landlords, there will be an opportunity to apply as well, but that's coming a bit later. But if you go to the CMHC website, uh, it's got the full schedule on there. And so we've heard a lot uh, of feedback about this program. Um, the, generally, there seems to be a bit of a lack of enthusiasm uh, from landlords to, to use the program. However, some of that, I think, could be driven by the fact there hasn't been a lot of details up to this point. So uh, now that the applications are live, we're, we're hoping to hear uh, some more positive feedback on it. Um, and again, this is something that's available uh, throughout the entire country. And so we've been gathering data from um, uh, from across the country in terms of, of the programs. We'll be monitoring that, uh, and we continue to advocate uh, to, to expand this program, to broaden it, uh, and uh, make it easier uh, for tenants to apply uh, for it directly. So, so, But anyway, if you are a landlord uh, or a tenant uh, that wants to talk to your landlord about this program, uh, we advise you to do that uh, starting now. Uh, so that's the the main update uh, from uh, from that group. Um, and the second update, really more uh, at a municipal level, is uh, around streets and, and open spaces. Uh, there's been lots of conversation, uh, both at city council as well as just in social media and amongst our businesses, uh, about what kind of changes can the city make uh, in downtown streets and in other spaces, parks and and other open spaces, about um, how to expand you know the potential footprint of businesses so that they can come out of their business a bit, uh, in particular restaurants. Uh, who we know uh, will lose a lot of their seating capacity. And so how do we move uh, additional space out into the patios, which we've had for for many, many years, which are a popular part of downtown Halifax, but actually looking to expand those and also just creating – broader public spaces. So for, for, for connected uh, bike ways that people can actually uh, commute to work via bike, uh, as well as just creating additional pedestrian space uh, so that, that people can, can safely socially distance, uh, but still enjoy downtown. Uh, and so um, uh, the city has, uh, has acted and put together a, a special group within the city um, that's going to look at different opportunities. And this, this uh, came about as a request from the business commissions uh, where essentially we asked council to, to, to create a group within the city to work directly with us. So uh, obviously we'll be talking with folks uh, about downtown Halifax, the Dartmouth Business Commission will be talking to them about downtown Dartmouth, and et cetera. And uh, so we're putting together a little group ourselves that will, that will uh, have some different stakeholders just to kind of generate some ideas. Um, and, uh, and we'll be speaking to the city about some opportunities. So an obvious one is, is Argyle Street, and, and we fully expect that uh, that Argyle Street, I mean, it was, it was going to be closed to, uh, to vehicular traffic during weekends. That likely is going to be uh, done all summer long. But there are some other opportunities in the downtown core. And so we're going to be speaking about those. And, and you know, this is, this is always about, you know, 
know, anytime you reallocate public space, you're kind of giving something to somebody and taking it from someone else. Uh, and so, you know, we have to look at this through, through a couple of different lenses. We obviously, uh, our, our main goal as the business commission is to help businesses. Uh, and there'll be a bit of a trade-off with, uh, with um, you know, convenient uh, travelways for cars and for buses and for pedestrians and bikes. And so really the way we've kind of been describing this is it, it's looking at the public spaces that we have uh, and how do we reallocate them perhaps in a more equitable manner, recognizing that, uh, that we've perhaps given over too much to the private vehicle really over the past couple of decades. So uh, this is a movement that's been happening for a long time. We see this happening in lots of other cities, um, and uh, this is an opportunity to perhaps um, uh, move that along a bit quicker here and also to do it in a way that's, uh, that's temporary um, and, and do a series of pilot projects. And uh, frankly, you can put up uh, barricades or pylons and, and, and create something new. Uh, and if it doesn't work, you can change it after a week or two. So uh, that's what we'll be discussing uh, this week with the city, and uh, we're looking forward to those conversations and, and seeing what changes we can make uh, that, will, uh, that will hopefully make downtown a, a much more attractive place this summer. Okay, thanks, Paul. I just wanted to uh, let the the audience know that uh, for the Canada Emergency Commercial Rent Assistance Program, uh, they can apply through the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, which is at cmhc-schl.gc.ca. Again, that's uh, cmhc-schl.gc.ca. We were just talking to Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission. He gave us an update on DHBC's advocacy efforts and the activities of the Nova Scotia Business and Labor Economic Coalition. Downtown Halifax Business Commission is committed to providing the latest information to DHBC members to help business through these uncertain times. In response to the COVID-19 pandemic, DHBC is following the directives of the Nova Scotia Health Authority and is asking businesses in Downtown Halifax to do the same. DHBC has three resource pages for businesses and for the public. For the main COVID-19 business resource page, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash COVID-19. For what's open in downtown Halifax, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash open. To find out how businesses are staying connected to the community, customers and clients, go to downtownhalifax.ca slash connect. On March 22, 2020, the province of Nova Scotia declared a state of emergency. The Nova Scotia government has extended the state of emergency to May 31st. Police are authorized to enforce orders under the Protection Act related to self-isolation and physical distancing and can issue summary offense tickets for people not adhering to those orders. Any workplace or business that is not deemed essential or not already required to close can remain open as long as two meters or a six-foot distance can be maintained. To view a list of businesses that are temporarily closed or events that are cancelled or postponed, go to downtownhalifax.ca slash COVID-19. View full notices and other recently lifted restrictions from the Nova Scotia government at novascotia.ca slash coronavirus slash hashtag alerts. The municipality has suspended the enforcement of paid and hourly parking across the municipality in response to the COVID-19 outbreak. As the province begins to ease these restrictions and businesses resume operations, paid parking, hourly parking, and enforcement will be resuming effective June 1st, 2020. All parking meters will be on and enforced effective June 1st in all areas across the municipality. Hotspot will be reactivated and all meters will require payment. All bag meters will continue to be enforced. All time-restricted, one-hour, two-hour, etc. parking and loading zones temporary or permanent, will be timed and enforced effective June 1st. New temporary 15-minute parking zones have been installed to facilitate the short-term pickup needs of restaurants and other businesses. 
accessible parking will continue to be fully enforced. All parking permits expiring in March through to June will remain valid until customer service centers reopen. Parking permit zones will be enforced. Once customer service centers reopen, next steps for parking permits, purchasing, and enforcement will be communicated on the HRM website. Towway zones and transit priority lanes will continue to be enforced. For more information on municipal services during the COVID-19 pandemic, visit halifax.ca slash coronavirus. These were just some of the measures that may affect businesses, visitors, or workers in downtown Halifax. As always, DHBC is asking the public to support businesses in downtown Halifax, if you can, while staying safe and adhering to provincial public health orders by doing the following. Order takeout by phone or online as much as you normally would or more if you are financially able to. Order takeout. Some restaurants are offering discounts on takeout. Some restaurants are offering free delivery. Purchase gift cards now to use later. Most retailers have online retail stores. Shop online whenever possible. Some retailers are offering free curbside pickup or delivery. Some businesses are offering online classes and workshops to remain connected to the community. Again, to view what's open in downtown Halifax, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash open. I'd like to take this moment to remind listeners that we are recording this episode on Monday, May 25th, 2020. Alana is up next with updates on what's open and how businesses are staying connected to customers, clients, and the community. What do you have for us this week, Alana? Thanks, Ivy. Hi, everyone. So today I have more updates on what's open in downtown Halifax. I also have a quick update on how to stay connected with your downtown Halifax community. And I'll finish with some updates regarding our new partnership with Get in the Loop Halifax. So basically a lot of updates. First, let's talk about what's open in downtown Halifax. More and more businesses are reopening in downtown Halifax as restrictions start to ease. Some retail businesses have started to reopen with limited services and strict safety measures in place as directed by local health authorities to ensure that they are providing the safest possible environment for staff and customers. I just want to quickly outline some of the safety measures that are being implemented at businesses in downtown Halifax so you can be prepared when you start to venture out again. They include limited occupancy depending on size of store or business, controlled access at entry and exit points, social distancing guidelines posted in and outside of stores, staff may be wearing protective equipment including gloves and or masks, most stores will have hand sanitizer stations set up for staff and customers to use, increased cleanliness and disinfectant procedures, most stores have installed plexiglass shields at cashier stations, And be prepared that most places are not accepting cash for the foreseeable future. Make sure you have a credit or debit card to pay. For retail stores selling clothing that you can try on, be aware that any item of clothing that has been tried on and not purchased will have to be sanitized before being put back on the rack. Most stores will have their own method for doing this, so check with staff on how to proceed with this. And as businesses start to either expand their services or reopen, remember to be compassionate and have patience. This is new territory for everyone right now, and as businesses adjust to new protocols and procedures, try to keep in mind that they are doing their best and need support during this rebuilding phase. So a few places that I want to highlight that have reopened in downtown Halifax since our last podcast include Weird Harbor just opened again for takeout only from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. daily. You can follow at Weird Harbor on Instagram for more information and updates, and I do recommend that you follow them on Instagram. They have very, very funny posts. Even when they're being serious, they're still very entertaining to read. The Carlton has launched the Carlton at Home, a family-style heat-and-eat menu for Friday curbside pickup. You can order takeout until Tuesday at 3 p.m. for pickup on Fridays between 4 and 7 p.m. This Friday, May 29th, is their first pickup day. Get more information on their menu at thecarlton.ca 
or follow at Carlton Halifax on Instagram. Cafe Chianti is open again with a new takeout menu that is available for pickup Fridays to Sunday, 4.30 to 8.30 p.m. from their Barrington location. For more information, visit cafechianti.ca. Starbucks Barrington is open for service again. I drove by the other day and they have physical distancing signage posted on the ground outside and they are controlling the number of people entering. They recommend that you download the Starbucks app, find your store, order and prepay with the app so you can just pick up your order when you arrive at the store. Cabin Coffee is open again, so if you've been suffering from CRW, which is Cinnamon Roll Withdrawal, you can now get your fix. They open at 7.30 a.m. for takeout and curbside pickup. Call 902-422-8130 or visit at Cabin Coffee Halifax on Instagram to keep up to date. You can order from the Old Apothecary again. Visit theoldapothecary.com slash our dash shop to purchase online. All purchases are available for pickup on Saturdays at their location in the brewery market. And the Wired Monk on Hollis and Morris is open again for service. They are limiting the number of people allowed inside at once, so please follow their directions when visiting. Switching over to retail, Urban Outfitters on Barrington Street is open again with reduced hours. You can follow at UO Halifax on Instagram for their new hours and safety procedures. And you can view our full list of businesses that are open and open online at downtownhalifax.ca slash open. And if you are a business in downtown Halifax and you would like to be included in our What's Open page or you have updates to your services, Email communications at downtownhalifax.ca. If you are looking for ways to keep connected and engaged with your downtown Halifax community in this time of physical distancing, many businesses and organizations are offering virtual programming, events, and more to help you stay virtually active. We have a list on our website at downtownhalifax.ca slash connect. But here are a few ideas for the week of May 25th. Discover Halifax has just launched a new program called See and Stay Home, a new online platform that allows you to experience the best of Halifax from home. They have a number of virtual sightseeing tours of some of downtown Halifax's top attractions and destinations. You can take virtual tours with the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia, the Nova Scotia Sport Hall of Fame, the Halifax Citadel National Historic Site, the Canadian Museum of Immigration at Pier 21, the Halifax Seaport Farmers Market, the Discovery Centre, the Harbour Hopper, and the Waterfront Boardwalk. Visit handpickedhalifax.com to view all of the experiences. The Carlton has Live at the Carlton Wednesday and Saturday nights at 7 p.m. on Facebook Live to provide local artists who are still growing their audience a platform to showcase three to four songs and tell a few stories. A virtual tip jar is available. Follow at the Carlton Halifax on Facebook for more information and to tune in and watch live. This Wednesday, May 27th, they are featuring Halifax actor, singer, playwright, and educator Laura Caswell. For more ideas on how you can stay virtually active during this time of physical distancing, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash connect. And if you're a business or organization in downtown Halifax that is offering virtual experiences or programming, let us know by emailing communications at downtownhalifax.ca. And as I mentioned last week, we have partnered with Get in the Loop Halifax. Get in the Loop is a free mobile app that delivers specials and promotions directly to your phone. Download the app. Again, it's free, and you can check out the Downtown Halifax Loop for deals, specials, and promotions from downtown Halifax businesses. Right now, we have over 24 businesses featured on the Downtown Halifax Loop with more to come. If you're a business in downtown Halifax and would like to be on Get in the Loop Halifax, please email info at downtownhalifax.ca. That's it for me this week. Thanks, Elena. That concludes our special COVID-19 episode of Downtown Lowdown, recorded on May 25th, 2020. For more information, visit downtownhalifax.ca. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.